Is there a time to not share the gospel? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hear of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me is Josh Hayes. Josh, how are you? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm not stuck in a prison in Caesarea for two years, so I can say I'm doing relatively well uh, compared to what we'll see uh, Paula's going through. Yeah, absolutely. That's some that's some good setup. I wasn't quite sure where you were going to go with that at first. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'm doing well. If I'm out of prison, I'm doing well. You know, it's, it's always something to take into account and not uh, take for granted. That's certainly true, and I'm always great whenever I'm out of a booth um, at a conference. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> which is not like prison, but uh, but when you're an in- introvert, being around many many people for a long right, time, right. you need a nap. So it's, a, it's an assault on the senses. Yes, <laughs> a little uh, bit, a little bit. Situations for introverts. Yeah. Anyway, today, Josh, we are jumping back into Acts after a couple of weeks out of it. Um, we have taken a detour and ta- and looked at Ephesians 2 and then Philippians 3 over the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. and now we are jumping over to a big chunk of the book of Acts, a really big chunk, three chapters, right. in fact, Acts 24 through 26. So, listeners, as you can imagine, we're not going to read that entire chunk of Scripture for multiple reasons. Uh, one is simply that it would take it'd take a solid 30 minutes or so to get through it all, and you don't want to listen to me talk for that long. And second, we want you to read that, that yourself. Because this is a passage that, this is a a significant passage that really I think that a lot of us don't spend enough time in. Would you agree, Josh? Yeah, I would agree with that. This section of Acts, uh, especially, just doesn't get a lot of attention for whatever reason in our our preaching and um, teaching. And it's, it's I, I, as we were talking about before we uh, started recording, I, I compare it to some of those sections of the Old Testament that just don't get a lot of attention, such as Samuel, Kings, Chronicles. They, you know, they can feel monotonous and just not part of where uh, the main action is in the, in, the, in the greater story. And this is a part of the New Testament where uh, we just we just don't see a lot of a lot of emphasis in our in our, our teaching and our in our Bible study. So it's, it's great that we're covering it in, in Gospel Project to expose people to it, because uh, is, is I think the listeners would see when they go to read the passage, this is not an uninteresting uh, portion of scripture. Definitely the, um, this portion of Paul's life and, and ministry and the challenges and obstacles that are, that are thrown at him as God's working through him to get the gospel uh, to the, to the nations are, are, de- are, uh, are exciting and dramatic. Uh, it's, it's by no means dull, but for, for whatever reason, just because uh, we don't see a lot of, uh, important shifts in redemptive history. It's not like Jesus' ministry, his crucifixion, resurrection, uh, the Spirit coming at Pente- Pentecost, the Spirit first, you know, going outside the the Jewish world into the Gentile worlds and earlier stages of Acts. It's not it's not as um, pivotal as those. So it, it, that might be part of the reason this doesn't get as much attention. But glad we're yeah. dealing with it today, so that people are more uh, greatly exposed to it. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, this is a, and so as we get into this, let's, uh, we're going to talk about some context here since we're not reading it. Um, but just as that reminder that, um, this is a very different kind of passage as you were describing. It isn't that action oriented, uh, kind of high minded adventure story type vibe that we get from so much of acts where this is, is much more a, uh, much more of a courtroom drama. Almost. Yeah, that's a good good analogy. Yeah, so this is the Law the, and Order episode yeah, yeah, of the, of Acts. The talking parts of dramas. Is that's my, right. My kids recognize something's a grown up show that has a lot of talking. They're they're not inter, you know they're not interested anymore in what mommy and daddy might be watching. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So uh, so this this passage obviously naturally picks up right immediately after the events of Acts twenty three. Where uh, where Paul has, is back in Jerusalem and the Jews are not terribly happy about this, and so he's getting himself into trouble just by his very presence. Um, and so here he's being held. Uh, he's being held as a prisoner, and depending on your point of view, he's either been entirely arrested or he has or he is basically in protective custody, and it's kind of both. Um, mm-hmm. So, because there really wasn't that much of a difference between the two in uh, in those days, um, and one of the things that you're going to see oh, that's really important as you look at this passage, you read it for yourself, you read it, um, you read it in a group setting, you read it with your kids, is it's really important to notice a couple of things. One is that this this passage does not take place. Um, in a very short period of time, it's going over two years, and that's something that that is important for us right off the bat to remember when we when we read scripture is that long periods of time are often covered in very short uh, short paragraphs. Right. Right. So, so it's really tempting to think that um, that life was far more dramatic for the for the people who we read about in the Bible than than it is for us. But what we're seeing is a condensation of the events that transpired. So so do, let's just not forget that. Yeah. Um, point. Yeah. But even even in that two years, what we do see is, is that Paul is repeatedly questioned um about what's going on and about this message that he proclaims and is he really kind of a rabble rouser or or is this or something else going on and we see this happen in this passage with first Felix the governor um, with the high priest and uh, uh, Ananias and a lawyer named uh, Tertullus in tow then again with Festus who was Felix's successor then again with King Agrippa and his wife Bernice before he finally gets sent to Caesar at the end of chapter 26. And then we get to see some some other, other amazing adventures happen over a long period of time in mm-hmm. 27 and 28. And we'll get to that um, in future episodes as well. So as we read this passage individually as we read it with um, read it in a group context read it with our kids these kinds of these kinds of things what uh, what what should we be asking about this passage as we as we do it uh, one question to uh, to begin here is what is what is a major theme in these three chapters 
as we, we've talked about, Luke intentionally lays out some themes that we've, we've been able to see. And one of those is the, the progress of, of the gospel going from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the uh, uttermost parts of the earth as we see it go into the, the Gentile world. And we're in tracking with Paul, seeing the, the gospel at, at work going to the Gentile world. And as Jesus anticipated and, and, and prophesied of, of the apostles that they would be speaking before kings and rulers and people in authority about uh, who who he is and, and what he did and this is precisely what we then see uh, Paul doing and so what what we can uh, take away from this is that Paul whether he's in the synagogue in the marketplace or in custody and on trial uh, he's ready to preach the gospel in any any circumstance he he told about his uh, conversion and his mission twice we you go back to Acts 22 and he has a recounting of his Damascus Road conversion experience, and then he gives a similar account in Acts uh, 26 here in the, in the passages we're, we're covering today. And, and so there's, there's definitely this thread of intentionality uh, in Luke's part in recording uh, the events uh, of, of Paul's life to show uh, that those who follow Jesus are given opportunity to bear witness to Jesus. And in the case of um, certain leaders uh, like Paul in the church, they have, they have the opportunity to do so that people who are in high respect and high esteem in the community or, or government. All right. So speaking of government, in, as this passage begins, we, we start off with kind of with the with all the key players in the room here from a government perspective. So we've got the high priest, so Ananias, we've got the lawyer Tertullus, we've got Felix in the room and we've got Paul as the defendant. Um so, you know, in this in this courtroom, there's there's no one who's a big fan of him. But when we get in there, we see we see Ananias and Tertullus. There are making this. They're making a big show and trying to, um, uh, basically trying to win all kinds of favor with Felix. Uh, they are uh, kissing up to him, something fierce. Right. And right. Um, and as they do, they're laying out their charges to uh, against Paul and. Basically, they they are accusing him of being a rabble rouser, a troublemaker, um, and and one who is inciting riots in mm. in Jerusalem. And so, why were they doing this? And the reason is is that um, they're doing this. Uh, the charge that they're bringing against him is ultimately sedition. So uh, they they were trying to paint him as a as an enemy of of not just them personally, but of Rome. Um, and that's really important because um, legally, um, legally they had no, they didn't have any grounds for accusing him of anything, period, mm. because he hadn't actually done anything wrong. Um, but the the punishment for a charge like sedition in that time was execution. And as a um, as a a um, as a basically as a province of Rome, um, the Jews had no ability to execute anybody. They they had right. certain legislative powers, but there was a limit 
um, mm. to what they could or could not do. And that was kind of the big one. So, um, so if they, if they wanted him dead, they needed, they needed the Romans to kill him, but they needed a really good reason to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they had, they had this difficulty. One, they didn't have any power to do it. And two, they had no actual grounds to do it. Um, and so ultimately they made it up. But what's amazing is you get to see Paul at work in this and shut them down pretty fast because he just, he immediately cuts to the chase and he's like, guys, I was in town for 12 days, 12. Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it is to muster up a mob large enough to cause a riot in 12 days when you're one dude? It's pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so they get caught in a lie. So mm-hmm. that doesn't that doesn't really help their case when they when they go to uh like as they continue to talk with Felix. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, and it really is a demonstration of the the inherent power of the gospel. The gospel will do its work. It will um, either harden people or soften people um, to um, who God is and what He's done for sinners in Christ. And uh, Paul didn't have to work very hard for these uh, uproars uh, to take place. He wasn't attempting to stir up controversy and um, cause uh, public disturbance, but. Uh, nonetheless, it happened. So it, it, it goes to show you that really when you, we don't have to be confrontational, the gospel message itself is. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we can in a, in a honest um, and, and transparent manner as Paul does in, in defending himself in, the, in this narrative, uh, say that, look, I, I didn't attempt to mislead anyone or cause any sort of uh, uh, breach in the, um, public peace i guess you mm-hmm. could put it that way and uh, n- nonetheless th- this this is happening i don't know what you want from me that's basically some of paul's defense like what 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 do you want me to do here um as we uh, get more into it um yeah. to get into the to, to the next question uh, if we're ready to move on is yeah. um, um something we might ask of the passage is why is paul held in custody for for two years before finally being sent to to caesar and you pointed out aaron as often happens in scriptures since these are historical narratives and they are summarizing and condensing uh, what took place in time and space. It's not lived out in real time uh, as we're, as we're reading uh, these things. So we often can underestimate how, um, how much time passes with just a few, few verses or one verse. And uh, in, in this case, in this case where it says that uh, uh See, Felix, who held him um, uh, for two for two years and left him in prison for for two years, and so that's that's not an insignificant amount of time, especially if you're the one in prison. So, mm-hmm. why why would he do this? Well, there's there's several layers uh, to consider as what might motivate a um, public official in these days to keep somebody in, in custody like this. And well, practically, they're just bureaucracy at play. Uh, you know, they weren't in a rush to deal with with Paul's case. The, the the rioting, the uproar had been contained by removing him from the public sphere. And so 
government just works slowly as we can all attest to and there's both good and bad with that and that we, you don't want somebody with too much power to make changes too quickly but also you would like government to be somewhat eff effective and and competent at the same time but some of this is just the the practical uh real real life scenario where that government moves slowly uh yeah. but also some some might see this as a small act of cruelty on felix's part um as he is he worked to um keep his re reputation in the in, in the community uh he was known uh as we can corroborate from history as a cruel governor of, of the jews and uh wasn't known to be uh favorable toward toward the the, the jews and um if we can be anachronistic for the moment we might say he was anti-semite in some some regard that's that's the word we might uh used today but so he had sort of a vitriol uh with, with the jews but uh despite this uh luke nonetheless portrays him as treating paul with with a good degree of 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 fair of fairness so uh, paul, luke doesn't go out of his way to show any uh mean spiritedness um uh, toward paul other than he you know doesn't really want to talk to paul too long lest he be convicted as paul reasons with him about about sin righteousness and and, and judgment as as it's as, as luke words uh another uh, conversation mm -hmm. that paul has with a with a uh, public leader uh but the, it's also possible though um in considering uh what's going on with um felix is holding paul in in, in prison for for two years is that um this was a way of maybe annoying the Jews and putting throwing a kink in, the, in their plans. As, as we know, there's been a conspiracy to try to try to kill Paul that, that didn't work out. So uh, it was people in these uh, circles were well aware that the Jews had hostility toward Paul and didn't intend good for him. And they would have loved to have him tried more in their neck of the woods in Jerusalem where they had more control. But uh, yeah. that that didn't happen. So he was kept in prison in this this region where Caesarea was and so for uh, for for Felix, this is a win-win. It's uh, he's making Paul have to sit in prison, and then also the the Jews aren't getting their way with Paul. Uh, but more importantly, or perhaps and perhaps most importantly, is providentially we're just seeing God's plan unfold. That Paul was protected because God had purposes for Paul um, in this life um, at at this point. He is, as we can recall from Acts 9.15, uh, Jesus spoke to Paul, calling him a chosen instrument to take his name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. And so we're seeing that that theme in Luke uh, unpacked in Paul's life through his being kept in, in prison here. And so there's no accident that he was kept in prison where he was as he hopes to eventually get to Rome and appeal not only for his innocence to Caesar, but Paul's wanting to see the gospel get to that uh, part part of the world, sort of this this apex of uh, the Gentile world at, at this time, and in this um, part of the world um, uh, that is the first century. And so, this this is what we're seeing just happen in the in these chapters. We're seeing fulfillment that's anticipated in Luke's gospel and early in the early portions of Acts, and then it's coming to fulfillment. We're seeing the name of Jesus proclaimed to. Um, Israelites, uh, both before the the, the non-receptive Jewish audience there, and they've they've hired the uh, probably a Gentile lawyer in, in Tertullus. It's going before Felix, uh, uh, another Gentile, and then the King Agrippa uh, the second, 
who um, is, is, is king of the, of the Jews, not necessarily a faithful Jew, religiously speaking, mm-hmm. but nonetheless um, was a uh, known uh, entity in the, in the, in the Jewish community. So you're, you're seeing these, these threads uh, tie, tie together, if we can put it that way, all these different figures representing these different audiences uh, for, for the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. And Agrippa is a, is, in particular, a really interesting figure in this mix, because when Paul actually gets to stand before him, he he gets to, again, he gets to defend himself before, before Agrippa, and he gets to tell him his whole story, everything that's happened, and he is able to, and, and so he shares the gospel as boldly and clearly as humanly possible, so much so that Festus, in hearing this as well, shouts out that Paul is out of his mind um, right, and right. says that too much study is driving you mad. So basically, saying that you've been you you've had your head in a book so long that that you've you've gone a bit nutty. So so that was a a fascinating. Uh, fascinating encounter, but as you go, you see, uh, you see Paul rebut that and or refute that, and then he it just gets to the point and he says, "Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets?" And he says, "I know you believe." Mm-hmm. And then Agrippa says, "Are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily?" And Paul's answer, which I love, is, "I wish before God that whether easily or with difficulty, not only you but all who listen to me today might become as I am." except for these chains. And so he gets up and um, and goes and talks with with everybody and um, and Agrippa says, you know, this man's not done and they've said they are all talking together about a verdict basically and saying, uh, well, he's not done anything to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa says to Festus, you know, I wish he had actually. I, I wish he hadn't appealed to Caesar, because then I could just let him go. Um, and so, in this though, you see that question in verse twenty-eight, where he's saying, "Are you going to persuade me to become a Christian so easily?" So there's something fascinating here mm-hmm. that's going on that he he recognizes something within what Paul is saying. Paul seems to have an understanding that Agrippa has some kind of awareness and understanding and and potentially legitimate belief that mm-hmm. what the prophets said w- was true um and yet he's not convinced and so why wasn't he and i mean theologically we know that there there is certainly a degree of hard-heartedness at, at play um um all of us experience this we're all prone to disbelieve the truth of the gospel because of our sin um within within that and underneath that um you know from a uh you know or above it if you really want to want to get technical be technically correct uh because the hard-heartedness part is always at the center Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um you know but practically speaking um you know, there's a lot of reputation management that's going on here right now because every um, every governor, every king of the Jews who are who are installed and placed by Rome, um, 
so illegitimate kings in the you know in the reality of of the Jewish people, um, they have they have a lot of public public image management that they have to do in order to in order to keep the people from rioting all the time um, because they were a squirrely bunch, um, and so they so what would it say to what would it say to the Jews? Who had a lot of influence, uh, specifically the the high the high priest and the Pharisees, who had a lot of influence over the general population. If the king said, "No, I believe this guy," well, things would go would go pretty crazy pretty fast in uh, in Judea, wouldn't it? You're right, and you just think of how uh, illegitimate and um, sort of downtrodden this you know low respect for a, a group, a sect like uh, the early Christians would have been. They were just seen as some, um, you know, annoying, um, you know, flash in the pan mm-hmm. group that came out of Judaism that most people probably didn't think would last all, all, all that long. But nonetheless, we're seeing Luke's account shows why it was able to survive and thrive in this this early this first uh, generation of, of of believers. And so that would have seen as that would have been seen uh, as beneath the dignity of of someone like Agrippa to uh, join this group and share their beliefs and 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 uh, being convinced of a of risen Messiah who was publicly uh, crucified. You know, identify with that shame and mockery that was associated with Jesus. And you have um, Tertullus earlier when he is uh, you know bringing his case. Uh, against uh, Paul, you know, calls them the Nazarenes. It's like, well, that's not even an accurate description of what of what they they were. They weren't all from Nazareth like Jesus, but it just shows that there was just little respect, little regard for this this movement of, of people who believed in Jesus as the as the fulfillment of Israel's scriptures. All right, so Josh, uh, as we think about this passage from a discipleship perspective, so again. When we are reading it ourselves, when we're when we are studying it with a group, when we are uh, teaching it to our kids, um, what what is some guidance that we can offer our listeners in working through it? Well, we're seeing how we need to be ready to uh, preach the gospel in all seasons, all circumstances, and that plays into and accords with uh, first. Uh, first Peter three fifteen, where Peter instructs um, his audience there who were maybe not suffering so much physical persecution, physical persecution, but uh, some type of public scorn and, and mockery in, in that context. But they were to be ready to give a defense to anyone who asked them for a reason of the hope that is that is in them. Uh, that's the often quoted verse for apologetics. It's not specifically referring to what we think is the whole enterprise of apologetics, but nonetheless has um, indirect, broader uh, application yeah. for that. But here, it's not so much thinking about constructing arguments for God or showing how the New Testament manuscripts are reliable beyond any other ancient document. That's not what uh, what we have in mind here or what we're seeing in the case of Paul and Acts, but this this means being ready to state what you believe and why you believe it. Uh, you can you can talk about your conversion and your experience in following Christ, but don't confuse that with sharing the gospel. Paul does both, mm-hmm. and he and he grounds 
who Jesus is objectively, not just in his experience. Yes, there's his, his experience to consider, and it's 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 um, compelling compelling on its on, on its own in some regard, but also that he's the one that the law and the prophets bear bore witness to and he's, he's fulfilling these things so you see that when he's giving these public uh declarations of both jesus call on his life his appearance to him on the damascus road but then also what he's persuaded to see in the scriptures as a result of this jesus who's um come in come in, come into history so we need to be able to articulate what we believe and, and why we believe that we see paul do this in a in a in a stressful and uh, very formal uh, context and, and scenario uh, when he's having to give a defense that really determines um, the trajectory of his life in terms of is he going to stay in prison? Is he going to be executed? Is he going to be freed? Well, regardless of that, Paul was acquainted enough with the gospel, familiar, familiar with the gospel enough and, and comfortable with his gospel identity enough where that was part and parcel of his uh, explanation of of why he was facing the circumstances that he had, why, why the charges uh, against him were, were bogus. Mm -hmm. And so that, that's just a good lesson for us to take that we need to have baked into our perception of things and to our um, identity and to our, our, our understanding of our circumstances, how this connects to our attachment and allegiance to the gospel itself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another thing that we, that, coincides with this is just as we are uh, should always be prepared to share the gospel with others and mm -hmm. to be able to give that that uh, that defense for the reason for the hope that we have um, we also need to remember that that people are not guaranteed to believe it when we when we share and we will all experience times when when people will reject what we what we have to say and so in that we we need to not lose heart because uh even when those uh to whom we present the gospel don't believe we have to remember that god's god's purposes are being fulfilled in that right um because the commission that he gives us the call that he gives us is to go and proclaim the truth not to be not not to mark off you know, numbers on a, on a checklist mm -hmm. or anything like that, that we, you know, to, to throw in the, the biblical metaphor, he calls us to sow seeds, not to, not necessarily to be the ones who uh, are, and not to be the ones who are making it grow because we can't do that. Only God can do that. Mm -hmm. And so that is, that's really important for us to remember. We also don't know where exactly they are on that, that trajectory. Um, we see elsewhere, um, again, mixing my biblical metaphors. Um, we, we do know that there are that, um, in, in scripture that, that, uh, that it says that one, one plants the seed another one waters, but only God gives their growth. So, right, right. um, so, so we could be the ones sharing for the first time, or we could be doing, or we could be one more person who is, affirming this and chat and and presenting this truth to that person um you know a lot of the research that's out there says that that people have to hear a message five or six times before it even begins to stick in terms of them even remembering it so and that's with advertising um and so think about think of so 
while the gospel should never be treated the same way that we do with advertising and marketing, we do need to remember that that principle is still true, that someone has to hear something multiple times over, especially in a really noisy culture like ours, right? Um, before they're going to actually hear and have any kind of meaningful response to it. Um, and so, uh, so in that, um, we do have to have to remember as well that the proclamation of the gospel, it affects more than those who are immediately involved in a conversation. There are other people who may hear, um, and people may repent later. We, we don't know what exactly is going to happen, but in all of that, don't lose heart, be faithful, and, and proclaim the truth as God has, call, has called and commanded and empowered you to do. Right. That's a good point. You just think of how much even Paul's defense of himself and explanation of himself before these um, civil authorities and, and before the, the, the Jewish rulers, how much that affected uh, the communities around them and how much trickle-down um, uh, effect that had in terms of just why is this man being publicly tried? What happened to that guy who was preaching in the marketplace or the synagogue recently? Well, he's in custody now and, and this is taking place or he, he's about to, he's appealed to Caesar. And so just this, this sort of word of mouth, even if the gospel's not presented accurately or, or uh, talked about in uh, high esteem, it nonetheless gets people uh, uh, talking. We don't want to be crashed just like uh, in, in, in full and fully pragmatic, like you mentioned, as advertisers are, but uh, in, 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 some, in some sense, all publicity is good publicity, and so the gospel got publicly known as a result of just this um, this public response uh, to it that, that we're seeing in, in Acts, and in the midst of this kind of public response and, and uh, controversy that seems to follow Paul, though not by his own design, as, as we talked about, I think we see Paul uh, modeled something else we should take away from the passage. And that's how he practiced civility uh, and sh uh, with others in general, but also he showed respect to the, to the leaders and officials, of both the, I think of the Jewish community or the, the, the Roman government. Uh, so th there's a place to do that as we're doing gospel ministry. And we might uh, run into people, uh, you know, wanting to report us to local government officials to uh, try to, put a stop to us depending on our context um or you might just have people in a in a you know neighborhood association lo uh, local community board something like that who want to stop um endeavors that would involve um opportunities for bible study and gospel proclamation well this shows that we can't just be jerks because hey we want to get the gospel out and you guys just need to stand down and get our get our get out of our way uh, what we see in Paul, we don't see him as being just assertive and aggressive as far as his posture, but rather he's unassuming and wise. He's shrewd about his the way he words things. He still addresses public officials uh, with with terms of respect, and um, he seeks to to navigate a path to to peacefully continue to exist within this system and to continue to uh, share the gospel. Yes, he fought for his own rights as a, as a Roman citizen, but he wasn't thinking of himself, first of all, when he did that. He was thinking of the advancement of the gospel. He wants to see this gospel uh, get all get all the way to the, the, the thresholds of the, um, of the Gentile world. So 
as Christians, we should try to be good citizens and, and peacekeepers as much as we can be. And that's what we see Paul trying to be. The, the party seemed to follow him, but it wasn't by his own doing uh, and, and corralling these people into, into a frenzy. And uh, when, when, when we are faced, though, with challenging circumstances, we might be called to an account by a, by a public official, a community leader, uh, an employer, perhaps even maybe if we're having difficulties with talking to people about Christ in the in the in the workplace, which you know we need to be mindful of company policies and rules there, and not just think that being a Christian um, necessarily just gives us the right to um, d- you know um, disavow all uh, uh, all obligations to our employer and what we might have signed up for going into into uh, while we're uh, working on the clock, uh, but nonetheless, where there is opportunity to um, give an explanation for the, for the hope that is within us, for why we behave the way we do, uh, for why we are eager to get this message out. Let's, let's, not be, let's not be hesitant on that. Let's look for opportunities to articulate our beliefs in a humble and non-confrontational manner, as, we, as we've already expressed and looked at, uh, even with the, the passage and passages before this in Acts, is the gospel itself is confronting enough. It's, it's confrontational enough. So let it do the confronting. Let us be humble and winsome as we can be and be wise and shrewd and respectful of the, of the civil context that that, we're, that God places us in. Yeah. Man, that is a good note for us to end on. So Josh, thanks for talking about this passage and thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.